0: The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsgear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to Matt slash Ice. Episode four of the Ice Hour Division 3 Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant. Today we're going to be joined. By the head coach at Gettysburg College, Andy Vogel, and the head coach at Wheaton College, Jim Grunwald. And gentlemen, you two have a fond affinity for Division Three wrestling, both competing and coaching there. And first, we'll start off with, with Jim, a, a multiple-time Olympian and Greco-Roman, uh, rebuilding the program there in Wheaton. And uh, Jim, first of all, welcome to the Ice Hour.
1: Thanks, Jason. I appreciate you having me.
0: Now, Jim, you're entering your seventh year as a head coach there at Wheaton, uh good tradition of wrestling and, and you've you've had some breakthrough uh, all American performances in recent years. And for, for people that, that know your name and then they look at you coaching in Division Three, what's the first thing you have to answer to them be like, Yeah, uh, dude, do you realize I wrestled D three? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, and the crazy thing was is Mary D three right now, but when I was there we weren't. We were the National Christian College Athletic Association, which I've at least, as far as wrestling, I don't know what they're like in other sports, but it's about the same power as like a maybe a, a harder junior high state tournament. Um, but now, now they're D three, and uh, so yeah, I don't mind at all coming back to I guess my roots.
0: Now, Andy, you've been you've been coaching and wrestling in Division three for a while. We've had you on the short time wrestling podcast, and you also uh, head up a website called D three wrestlecom Today, we're going to be talking a lot about branding on the Division three aspect of things. But uh, you know, entering your ninth year, I mean, how, you've got your feet wet. You've got an athletic director position there, and uh, you know, what are you getting excited for for this season?
2: Well, I think for us um, here at Gettysburg, anyway, we've got the biggest roster that we've had in my nine years here, and probably the biggest roster and couple of decades so I'm just excited to have more depth on the team so we can consistently put a good guy on the mat at all 10 weights um, which has been an issue for us anytime somebody got hurt we were all right last year with 10 pretty good guys uh, but upping that to uh, have some more depth is going to make a big difference for us moving forward
0: and you also spent time as an assistant coach at Wheaton
2: I did for two seasons
0: so uh, you know a little bit about what what, what Jim jumped into. So, uh, did, Jim, did did Andy leave the table uh, pretty set for you when you got there?
1: You know what? I, I'm not going to lay anything at Andy's feet. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> that was because a loaded was question. For... <laughs> yeah, I know. It is. And I don't think he has any responsibility because I know Andy's a great coach. Um, but, you know, the Wheaton program had been kind of beaten down. I mean, they had an had economics professor running. God bless him. If he hadn't been there, it would have been cut, Right. But he didn't have a whole lot of time to do anything else other than run a, run some practices and even recruiting wasn't, I mean, it was, it was just something that, you know, the time commitment that any coach has, and especially if you want to run a good program, you need to be a full-time coach, and he just wasn't. And so when I got there, there were seven guys on the team, and literally three of them thought it was a club sport. And uh I had two freshmen that Dan Weber, who was the, kind of the interim coach for a year, um cu- kind of talks to but i had to do a little bit of convincing to get them to to come out that year and they were part of my seven uh so my first couple of years uh was eating a whole lot of humble pie just because i was not used to getting donkey stomped like that um just because of you know my personal career just and i don't say that to brag but i just wasn't used to losing that much that often and we went three and seven our first year And my wife kept on telling me, oh, it can't get any worse. And then we went 1-16 the next year, which put us like 90th out of 91 D3 teams. So we were terrible. And, again, let me say it had nothing to do with Andy Volkin's involvement in the program. (laughs) He did a great job while he was here.
0: Yeah, Andy, can you speak on you know th- that situation when you when you enter that situation as a coach? A lot of first-time coaches, you know, a lot of assistants will enter a situation where they're in a program that's like, all right, they're like Jim was saying, you're you're not used to, it and you've got to change the culture. I mean, you, you know, what, what was it like at Wheaton, and what did you learn from your experience at Wheaton that's helped you uh, at Gettysburg?
2: Well, I think there's a good number of similarities between the schools. They're about the same size and have pretty high academic profile. Um, so. You know, I'd done some recruiting at Wheaton, and then had been at Gettysburg a couple of years before Jim took over uh, there. Um, but I kind of stepped into a somewhat similar situation to he did. I mean, he had seven wrestlers on his first team; I had ten, um, and we we won two matches my first year. Now we had two pretty good wrestlers who got to the national tournament, but the rest of the team was pretty poor. So it's kind of been a similar process building up from a small roster into a larger roster, and it's just kind of understanding uh, what the challenges are at a school with pretty high academic standards, especially compared to a lot of the other schools in Division III. Um, and there's plenty of schools like us uh, that are in the same boat, and it's just kind of a matter of figuring out who is your target audience, who's going to fit in, who understands kind of what you are as a school, and making sure anybody that shows good interest into what you've done and into your school that you uh, reciprocate that to try to make sure that someone who's interested you know, doesn't uh, fall by the wayside.
0: Yeah, and I want to jump in here and get this out of the way with with Jim before we, we continue our uh, our discussion on this. Is I, I'm looking. I remember it was like looking at the roster. And I was like, "Holy crap! There's a kid from my high school on the Wheaton wrestling roster. What the heck?" So nice. uh, from Pocosin, Virginia, you know the the Griffiths kids. So it's like, all right, I you know they were they are significantly younger than I was. So it's one of these things where I was like, I'm following. It's like, all right, I've got another reason to follow Wheaton. Outstanding. That's good. Yeah. You know, so as as coaches now, you talk about, uh, you know, you guys are both in situations where you had to basically rebuild rosters and you're talking about this is the biggest roster you've had from a Division three angle. We're seeing a lot more colleges add wrestling and they're bringing in big rosters. But for for an established program that needs to kind of kind of kickstart itself, uh, you know, Jim, what are some of the practices that, you, that you've employed to get more uh, more athletes coming to Wheaton?
1: Well, first of all, um, I think what you need to do is you need to get the information. I, I my first year or two, I mean, I had kids in Illinois that were less than an hour away from Wheaton saying I didn't even know Wheaton had wrestling, and which kind of goes to show you where the program had been, as far as you know, in the news. So you, you got to kind of get yourself out there, and uh, alumni support is huge. And uh, to get the alumni to trust you, you got to start building a roster. And it's it's kind of the thing that's weird about it is when you're low, it's really kind of hard to get out of the pit. And so you've got to really do a good job branding. You know, what helped me a little bit, and I don't, it was somewhat of a help but somewhat of a, a holdback, was that, you know, at least my name was a little bit more recognizable with being on Olympic teams. I could throw that out there in an email to a kid, so it had, you know, a, a little bit of that initially. But then, they, you know, they do a little research, you're like, well, you're a Greco guy. You know, what do you know about folks down? And you have to explain to them, hey, you know, I did wrestle in the Midlands for five years and, you know, placed – in the top eight every single one of the years. So I know a little bit about, you know, folk style wrestling. I'm not terrible. Um, but then again, you know, you know, but, but then things like, it, you know, you'll got behind me and then all of a sudden we're putting a poster out, we're putting it up around town. And I, I did a, a, last year I did this huge poster campaign where I sent out a poster to every, you know, obviously we're a Christian school. So every, Prep school or private school in the country, I sent like 350 posters just to get on the radar and send a letter along with it telling the coaches, hey, I need your help. I need your help. I know a lot of your guys might go D1, but if you have a guy that meets our academic criteria, meets our faith criteria, and loves the sport of wrestling, I don't care if they're good, bad, or ugly, I'll take them. You know, because my job is to mentor young men and see how far I can get them on the wrestling mat, and some of them will turn out to be superstars, and some of them, you know, won't. Uh, But bottom line is, That's one of the ways that you build a program is, you know, you've got to, you've always got to, you know, uh, you've got to reach out to high school coaches because if they're recruiting for you, it makes your job a lot easier. I mean, it's one thing, I mean, there's, you know, there's all the, uh, and let me just segue, there's a lot of really good recruiting sites out there. I mean, I've used Be Recruited, NCSA, and Captain U, and so they're all sending me emails now. You let them know what you need, and they send you emails, kids' names, you follow up with an email to the kid. And then it's a call. So again, it's just it's hitting everything that's available. It's the you know social media. It's it's you know it's the it's the recruiting websites. It's sending out a, a letter and a poster to you know uh, to high school coaches that are kind of in your niche. And after a while, you do that, and you can build your roster from seven to in the mid twenties. And it's again, it's not easy. And I get what Andy Andy's Andy's got the same academic standards. He's even more expensive than we are. Um, uh, the one thing that I do have going is mean, both good and bad is we're a niche school in the sense that we've got the Christian component, but then again, it also limits the field of athletes that you can pull from. So I, I hope that answers your question, but that's kind of what I went through here. Uh, and then one of the other big things last thing uh, is that I sent out a newsletter. I found out every, uh, 450 people received my wrestling newsletter. Every time I put it out, And I normally put out anyone from once every two weeks to once a month. And that's gotten actually uh, some positive feedback where we have, I think is like a 39% open rate, which to me is failure. But people tell me as far as sending out mass emails, open rates, that's pretty good. So I guess I'll take it.
0: Yeah. Andy, same question. What have you done to to build the roster there at Gettysburg?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's been kind of a slow process because when you start with a small team, um, any attrition can really knock you down. So, it starts off with you know trying to do your best to keep um, both high standards on your team with what you're expecting out of your guys, but also understanding that you need to keep keep guys around. And then as you build the roster up, um, kind of expectations raise, and the guys start to hold themselves to a little higher standard because they understand there's some competition there. But um, you know for us it's been a lot of the same things that Jim's done. You know being active on social media, making sure anytime somebody contacts us because um, they're interested in the school or have heard about the school that we follow up. Um, you know, pretty hard on that to make sure that they understand what the opportunities are here um, and what, what's available. Um, I think one of the big things we sell here is that we have very successful graduates, both in and out of wrestling. Um, so we're able to share some of the statistics from our admissions department about, you know, what, how 95% of our graduates have a job or in grad school within a year after graduating. And, um, you know, it's so kind of a big part of our pitch is, The chance to come to a school where you have the chance to take wrestling seriously and make it a really big part of your life, but then also be in a place that's going to challenge you academically and set you up to be really successful later on. And, you know, we can point to guys that have been through our program and then other people who are um, not necessarily wrestlers, but have had success um, after spending four years here.
0: Now, when we look at the landscape of Division Three, obviously it's the Bergs, Augsburg and Wartburg that have kind of, uh, you know, ruled the roost uh, the last almost two decades, it seems. And, uh, you know, when when you look at how teams at the Division I level say that they've got to build and it's a process, how similar is that Division Three? Because it's, it's not – you can't necessarily be an overnight success. You can't just have, all right, here's a crop of 15 new kids because – a lot of D3 recruiting classes aren't going to be that many based on, of course, you know, cost. It's a non-scholarship thing athletically. So, you know, Andy, in, in, in your experiences, obviously, having uh, wrestled at Messiah, knowing you seeing what that program has done, uh, at least as, from an alumni standpoint, to build a winning program, to be in the top five, top ten at the Division three Nationals, this is not an overnight type of thing.
2: No, it's definitely not. I mean, and you see that, um, you know, through kind of through the ups and downs and the cycles of division three wrestling, some teams have, they get a good recruiting class or two in and they go on a really good run. And then some other teams come up and catch up with them. Um, But I don't think you see a lot of overnight success in any wrestling division one, two or three. Um, But you do have a chance, I think in division three to get some, you know, some big recruiting classes and recruit a lot of guys and then kind of see what you have to work with. Um, And I think you see that with some of the better schools and some of the uh, different uh, teams that are good year in and year out is that they do have pretty sizable incoming class every year. Um, so they, cause they can bring a lot of guys in and they don't, you know, it's maybe the uh, one advantage of not having uh, scholarships in division three for wrestling is that kind of everybody comes in on equal footing. Um, so if someone comes in and they're good, then they're going to be good. And even if it was a little bit unexpected, it's not like um, that affects your, um, scholarship budget or anything like that. So you can really go after a lot of good wrestlers and try to get as many as you can on the team. And so I think the teams that are successful have done that kind of year over year. And then also, I think um, something that's very important with these teams that have become successful and become kind of top five, top 10 teams is they've shown an ability to not only do a good job recruiting teams, but they also develop their wrestlers. Because I think sometimes you get some guys at this level that are very talented, maybe as talented as the guys that are getting the money offers from other schools, but they might be a little bit less experienced or less had less exposure. So if you can do a good job developing the wrestlers into kind of national level guys um, and do that up and down your lineup, you're going to be able to have good success at this level as you do that over a period of years.
0: Uh, Jim there's a story uh that Sandy Stevens had written for Win magazine uh, I believe a year or two ago uh, about one of your wrestlers Dan Olson and in in division 3 we see uh, an opportunity for kids to get second chances and things like that and as a coach uh you know explain a little bit about Dan Olson and and, and what it was like for you to 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 help him get get things back on track
1: Oh uh, yeah Dan yeah this this is kind of fun for me um so uh Dan comes to me and, uh, you know, I was running a wrestling club at the time for, you know, high school, junior high, little kids in the area just to make a little extra cash and, to, you know, help wrestling, of course, too. Um, but uh, Dan comes to kind of be a part of your club. I'm like, well, you're a little bit old, buddy. And, he's, you know, he's already he's only 20 years old. It's like, well, you know, I'm trying to get back into wrestling. I'm like, all right, fine, come along. And I would wrestle with him and he would wrestle with some of the kids and didn't know really a whole lot about him. And after about a year of that, he came up to me and said, hey, you know, can I wrestle at Wheaton? And I said, um, well, what's your GPA? And he told me, I'm like, e, uh, you know, you're going to have to work on getting that up. So we got it up. And he said, but I also have some baggage. I'm like, well, what's your baggage? And he's like, I, I just got out of prison a year ago. I'm like, okay, well, have you, have you repented of whatever you did? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's good enough for me. And uh, I, I went to the admissions office and, you know, it was a hard sell for them, right? Because you got a guy that's gotten out of prison. He's substance abuse. You know, he's in and out of halfway houses, in and out of drug rehabs, had mortgaged their house to... You know, to keep him out of jail and prison until it got to the point where it was so bad he even recognized that he needed to go to prison for a time being to get right. And he got right. When he got out, he realized he can't go back to the same old, same old. So here I recruit the kid. It's just kind of a backup. I, I recruited him more because he was an Illinois state qualifier, but really didn't have any great credentials. And I recruited him more just because I think it was, you know, it was the right thing to do. It, was, it would put him in the right place around the right people and he could avoid going back to that drug culture and kind of reawaken his addiction. And you could see the look on both his face and his dad's face. They desperately needed a place that would help mentor him more than anything else beyond the wrestling. Although you could also see that the kid, you know, wanted to wrestle. So he gets into the program, you know, he's a backup wrestler at 84 and I had a D1 transfer that was at 84. Um, that eventually decided that he didn't want to be at 84 anymore. So Dan ends up being, you know, thrust into the starting spot. And, you know, you fast forward to the end of the season, and the kid's a warrior, and he's got a great switch that he just flips when he gets on the mat. He ends up being an All-American. You know, he's unseated, you know, and he comes through, and he just kind of you know, he just fights his way uh to being an All-American. And then, you know, then the next year he missed it by a hair's breadth just because we had such a tough region. You know, you uh, having like the number one, two and five ranked guys in the country in our region. And Dan takes fourth. So you have one of the best guys at 184 returning All-American, doesn't even get a chance to go back, you know, to the big show. And then, of course, his next year um, ends up taking third. Um, so just it's a it was a great story. I think more than anything else now is now he's still finishing up his degree and he's one of my assistant coaches this year and he wants to give back. Uh, and it's just neat to see him working with the athletes and he has, he's changed his life around and you can take guys like Dan Olson that might not have a chance at a D one program or, you know, a simple fact of the matter isn't even close to being good enough to a D one program, but has an opportunity to, uh, not just survive the college experience, but thrive at a D three level. So, uh, and I think if Dan can do it, you know, you, there, there's a good case to be made that the 98% of high school wrestlers that aren't wrestling in college need to kind of, kind of take a second look and maybe think about what they could do in college when the simple fact of the matter is most young men do not emotionally and physically mature until their late 20s so that means their best wrestling years are going to be in college regardless of what they did in high school and so why not give it a chance why not wrestle for at least a year in college and see hey what's it like what could I do can I do this and my answer to them always is yes you can do this
0: now, looking at, you know, that's one of the things I, I recall a lot about last year's Division Threes and Hershey was, was just the eruption of. Uh, you know, the, the, the just like, holy crap, the Olsen was on a tear. I mean, he lost his first round match to Jonathan Dupree in the first round, and then, you know, a one pointer there to the number two seed comes back, and then, you know, obviously Augsburg and Wartburg battling for their title, beats an Augsburg kid, and then, you know, one point win over Tyler Beckwith from Cortland, who was at, when he came out of high school, he initially had signed with Binghamton, was was one of the top ranked wrestlers in the country uh, coming out of high school, and then, boom, 13 second fall, and then 12, 10 sudden victory. So uh, over Chris is Torzepa from from Williams, so it's like the you know the stars kind of aligned for him. Even though he took that first round loss, and it was just like, all right, knock off an Augsburg kid, boom, you know, pick off these one of the D one transfers, boom, Be, beat another tough guy from Lacrosse, and then you know, finish it out with overtime. As a coach, when you see a, a career end like that, it, it was such drama. It, it's got you know your heart, heart's got to skip a beat there.
1: Oh, it was thrilling. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that listen. Dan Dan had his sights set on a national title, right? He wanted another chance. And he actually had a great match against the the, the kid from well, why can't I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, not Warburg or Augsburg, the the Wabash kid in the regional finals. Had a great match against him. Took him down, like fought back where a lot of kids didn't fight back against that Wabash kid. And uh, so he was looking at getting him in the national finals. And I thought, you know what, he has a chance to do this. He, you know, and the thing is, he believed it. He followed the plan. He bought into the, you know, he pawed into everything that I was saying, and he just did the right things. And then he gets to the national tournament. Yeah, he's unseated. He didn't care, you know, it didn't make it. The number behind his name didn't care. Uh, and yeah, then he loses that match, to that one kid, and it was, you know, it was a little bit of shenanigans. But he came off that match in a rage, you know, in a rage. Like, how could they do that to me? This is, and he finally got it. He came up to me after that match, and he calmed down. And he apologized for going into a rage. I'm like, listen, I get it. I, I understand. You hate losing. Um, And he said, coach, I finally get what you said, you know, about enjoy the battle. Uh, It's not, I mean, I'm not going to get what I wanted. And so he ended up being like a crowd favorite. And when they, a couple of those times when he, when he got the takedown with like literally one second left and then they didn't call it and then they were video reviewed it and they called it the place erupted. And then we went out for his third place match and he blasted that guy six times in less than a minute for a takedown. You know, the last one got called back, but the place was like on its feet because here you have somebody that's doing it right, going to a national tournament and not shutting down, but just wrestling like a monster. Now, he wasn't a knucklehead at one point when I told him, you know, to take on his feet and not get ridden like a dog in the third period. But fortunately, the overtime takedown ended up uh, not being too, too big of a loss. And then fin- finishing up third place. So, yeah, it was, it was thrilling for me. It was, it was, it was kind of, you know, you want to call it a Cinderella story? Oh, you know, if Cinderella went to prison, yeah, it's a Cinderella story. But it was neat. It was good. It was good for wrestling.
0: Now, this is Cinderella, former greenskeeper, now in the 18th hole yeah. at Augusta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Andy, we're going to shift over and talk about branding because uh, yeah, Jim had mentioned this about what he's done with with the email list, the posters, and things. And and what what about branding D three as a whole? Of course, you've been running d three wrestlecom for for a number of years, and from from a a, I guess, a exposure standpoint, uh, without getting into too many details about, the uh, website traffic, what have you seen from D3 Russell over the last couple years that is, has made you, it's been encouraging to be like, more people are paying attention to us?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, what I've seen is just over the last few years, the amount of traffic to the site has increased as, um, number one, people find out about it, but then also, um, you know, more and more wrestlers come into Division Three year after year. So we're, we're picking up the people who, you know, wrestled in previously and have stayed connected over the past few years, but then also any time you know, every year a whole new group of freshmen comes in and they want to know about things and their parents want to keep track of stuff. And, you know, the rankings that we do are always very popular with, uh, you know, coaches and wrestlers and their families alike. So it's just kind of been a slow but steady growth um, in interest in, in the site. And I'm hoping in Division Three wrestling as well. Um, I think having the tournament in in Hershey, Pennsylvania, this last uh, March was a great thing for the sport as well, because uh, the Division Three tournament had been in the Midwest for years and years and years. Um, so to spread it out a little bit and maybe expose some fans in a pretty wrestling crazy area to the sport in a way that they maybe hadn't in the past, I think was a big thing for Division Three. And I'm hoping some of that momentum will keep going uh, into the next couple of years here. But you know, it's just a matter of getting the you know, getting the word out there about the sport, um, promoting things like, you know, having a division three national champion wrestling at the world championships, um, this past, uh, fall, you know, things like that and promoting that and getting the word out to a lot of people, whether it's through the site, through social media, um, you know, podcasts like this, just trying to get people interested in division three wrestling. Cause I think there's, there's a misconception about it among some people, um, that it's not as good as it is. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing that some people, you know, once they understand what the level of competition is like, I think they can start to get a little bit more excited about it when they realize that, you know, the wrestlers at this level are pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a situation too. You know, a lot of people we, we've mentioned this on previous shows about the you know the D one transfers coming into Division three. Well, th- th- that's not a guarantee they're going to come through and, and wreck shop because I mean uh, you, you know not to throw uh, Mr. Beckwith under the bus by any means, but uh, you know there's there's an example right there. There's a kid that was uh, highly regarded coming out of high school. He you know was going to go Division one, ends up at, at Cortland, and then you've got you know other guys, obviously. Uh, you know, we see the Brian Praters that win it from like Elmhurst and things like that. But there's also plenty of guys that, that are coming in and they, they understand real quick that uh, these guys don't care if I came from Oregon State or if I came from from Iowa. They just they, it's out there. It's all wrestling. It doesn't matter. You're, you're wearing a different singlet. You're not wearing that singlet. You're wearing a singlet from a division three co- college the same way I am.
2: Well, I think, you know, all the best wrestlers in division three, were thinking about division one or at least could have been when they were in high school. Um, so it's, it's wrestling's wrestling, and there's good wrestlers everywhere. Um, and if you talk to any of these national champions that were at their school the whole time, almost all of them had the opportunity to go to another school and wrestle or wrestle in division one, you know, whether they got the scholarship offer or not, the chance was there. So, you know, you do see a good number of transfers uh, at the national tournament just because, you know, things don't work out for them one way or another. But I think the level of ability among the top guys is still pre- is pretty close. And, you know, whether, no matter where they started college.
0: Yeah. Jim, what are your thoughts? Obviously coming from a high level uh, Greco-Roman background, you were at Olympic training center. I mean, you, you were teaching, teaching school in Colorado. I mean, you were, you are at the training center dealing with the, the best athletes in the world. And, you know, you know, you, you talked about your Midlands experience. I mean, what's something that, that uh, you have to sell the prospective student-athlete that that may be looking for, you know, a books offer in D1 to say, hey, you know what, the, the Division three is the place for you to land?
1: Well, I think a couple of things. Um, uh, number one is uh, you, you're not going to get the D1 grind, right? You're not going to have someone chirping at you the whole year. And that's not to say that, you know, that the D3 coaches aren't um, – you know, aren't concerned about their athletes year-round, but, you know, we're given our 19 weeks plus a couple weeks in the off-season. I have the benefit of being a strength conditioning coach as well, so I can run voluntary programs, but you don't have someone looking over his shoulder wondering if you're wrestling every day, and that's one of the things that I appreciated about going to Maranatha, right, is Ben didn't chirp away at me all year. I was self-driven, self-motivated. I like what I can do, and my guys now that I have in the room they're they're doing it. We get it. We, you know, first day of school, they're like, coach. Can you open up the room for us? So I walk over there, I open it up, I walk back to my office, and I go lift in the weight room. You know, so they they've gotten to the point where they they realize that they're going to be as good as they want to be, and they get around. And then you get new kids coming in, they kind of buy into that right away. So you change the culture. And so if you're if you're kind of a kid that doesn't want to, you know, kind of have that D1 grind, and you don't want you know, D3 is your spot. I mean, I think actually there's a, in some ways there's a greater value in wrestling D3 than there is in D1. I mean, scholarships are great, but then all of a sudden you're wondering, you know, what about, you know, it's always a bigger, better deal for D1 coaches, right? Let's be honest. If they can find someone who's going to replace you, they're going to do it if you don't set up. Where For me, if I bring all my guys to tournaments, and whoever places the highest, they're the guy. And so everybody gets brought everybody's getting, everybody's getting something. You're all on an even playing field and it's, you know, and, and, and you don't have to worry about losing anything. You don't have to worry about losing your scholarship. If you're not varsity, well, you find a way to you find a way to earn it. And so I actually, in some ways, that's something that I mentioned at our Pete Wilson tournament a couple of years ago, I respect what D3 coaches have to do because we're doing it on less money. OK, we're doing a smaller budget. We don't have any scholarships. We're travel agents. You know, you're, you're doing everything. And so when you're talking to a kid, you let the kid know, too. Listen, you're going to have personal attention, just like you would in any other program. We've got assistant coaches that are going to work for you. You're going to get everything that you need here, but without the year-round grind that you're going to get being a D1 athlete. And so I think that's huge. And some guys, they want to wrestle and they want to wrestle at a high level, and you can put them in the wrestling at a high level, So we're all right outside of Chicago. You know, the Midlands tournament, one of the best tournaments in the country, is a hop, step, and a jump away. And I say, listen, be that first D3 guy to win the Midlands tournament. We've had guys take second. We've had guys take third. We've never had anybody win it. So you, you kind of dangle those carrots out in front of kids, and you tell them about the brotherhood and the, the specialness of being in a D3 program, and you tell them about the fact that it's not that year-round grind and you get to kind of you know, plan your year, you know, but you know, obviously you're getting encouragement from the coach. but uh, you know, and, and, and there's something that Andy said. Was great. you got athletes out there. I mean, I've had kids that were D1-capable wrestlers in my program, all right. Sometimes they just weren't, you know, maybe it was a it was a head thing, you know, maybe it was a it was just they just didn't want to do it year round, and they decided, okay, I'm going to come to Wheaton College instead. Maybe it was a niche thing, you know, they wanted to put themselves in a Christian environment rather than being in a in a secular environment, which has a lot of distractions. There's a lot of drugs, sex, and alcohol, you know, at public schools, and they just don't want to be inundated by that, and so they pick a spot, they find these D3 schools. A lot of them are faith-based. A lot of them are niche schools. You'll find it. Or, you know, it's a state school that has really ridiculously cheap, you know, tuition. So there's a lot of reasons to go to D3 wrestling. Again, I can't emphasize enough that we lose 98% of our athletes from high school to college. That is, that, that, that is horrifying, and it should change because I want every D3, I want every kid in America to realize you can wrestle in college. I don't care how good, bad, or ugly you were in high school. Your best years are going to be in college. You need to wrestle in college.
0: I wonder where that advice was when I was coming out of high school because I was pretty bad in high school.
1: <laughs> um, you know what? I've had two kids. Listen, real quickly, I've had two. Our best wrestler ever at Wheaton College, a four time All American, Brett Stom, was a one time Pennsylvania State play, uh, uh, State qualifier. Not even a place winner. Now, granted, Pennsylvania State tournament is a monster tournament. You know, right? 20% of all All Americans. And I got this – actually, this is Andy Andy Vogels, the, the stat guy. I'm just stealing this from him. But 20% of all D1 and D3 All-Americans, year to year, maybe it fluctuates a percentage or two, come out of Pennsylvania high schools. But that kid ended up being a two-time national champ for us and a four-time All-American. And then you got a guy like Matt McCrary, who's a local kid here, was was not a very good high school wrestler. In fact, to me, for me to say he's mediocre as being nice – Comes to college, he's 3-13 and 13 his first year, so he's getting beaten up. Ends up with 100 college wins. So he finally flips the switch. He's around the right people doing the right things, and he, got, he finally got it. And His body and his mind all caught up to what wrestling could be for him. So there's a lot of stories out there like that. That kid out of Whitewater um, there was a, a runner-up in Nationals, Andy, what was his name, a couple years ago? Adcock, stud wrestler, right? wasn't a superstar in high school. The kid out of Elmhurst a few years ago that was a three-time national finalist out of, for Elmhurst College never made it to the Illinois State Tournament. He's a three-time uh, finalist in the D3 Tournament Headway. So here you have story after story of these D3 kids, and you can have si- similar stories, story after story of D1 kids dropping down and not winning the D3 National Tournament, sometimes not even placing. That just kind of goes to show you what D3 real estate, how broad of a net we can cast, and you can still do well, or at least you're part of something bigger than yourself. It's a brotherhood, and you have you make these friends
2: that are going to last for the rest of your life.
0: Andy, what do you want to capitalize on that with? Because uh, I think Jim said it pretty well.
2: No, I agree. He he did. He certainly uh, can display displayed his passion there, which is great. Um, but I think um, at Division Three wrestling, the idea is that it's part of your broader college experience and to everybody, you know, that's going to be different for every single person. Some people are really going to make college a lot about wrestling and, you know, to the exclusion of some other things. And you see that in division three just as much as division one, but you've got kind of a little bit more opportunity to kind of explore the college experience and see what it's about. Cause I think um, for the guys, you know, especially on my team, they come to a school like this, they're good students. Um, and their sights are set on the future as much as the present, and they want to experience what they have to offer. Because if you're going to come to a school like Gettysburg or Wheaton and pay $60,000 a year minus whatever financial aid you get to come to college, you're going to want to take advantage of that um, because you do get something for your money. And if you just kind of narrow your focus down to you know hardly anything at all, you maybe are not getting the full experience. And I think that's kind of what we have to offer is – kind of the opportunity to number one come to a school, be serious about wrestling, make it an important part of your life and really try to achieve something that you can be proud of um, no matter how many matches you win. But then also have the chance to really get a great education at you know at a top tier school in a lot of cases and put set yourself up for what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And the thing that I tell people when they're looking at Gettysburg and I think this is probably true at a lot of places is you know, you've know, you got two main things going on in college, especially if you're at a good school. Like You've got wrestling, and you want that to be important as well, because you only get to do this once. And you come through, and you get your four years of college wrestling, and then that's it. And most of these guys are never going to put their shoes on again, at least in a competitive setting. So you want to treat that like it's important. But on the other hand, you do want to make sure that the time you're spending here as a student is well spent because that's going to set you up for the rest of your life. So maybe you come to school and you're studying, you know, you're planning to go to law school. So your grades are important because you want to get into law school and set yourself up for a great career, but you can also um, really take advantage of the four years you have here to become a great wrestler. And I think when you think about those two things together, you can kind of get the full kind of college experience and the kind of the emphasis uh, throughout division three on the idea of being a student and an athlete and, Feeling like you don't have to compromise in either area.
0: I want to shift gears just a little bit here because uh, J- Jim had mentioned the Pete Wilson Invitational. And that's something I wanted to talk about because uh, this this tournament's it's one of the one of the big events on the D three wrestling calendar. And, and Jim, what was your experience with the tournament uh, prior coming in? I mean, would you know about it, and, and what's it been like to have a tournament that, that a lot of people are saying it's kind of like the Southern Scuffle of Division Three?
1: Yeah, so I actually wrestled in the tournament. Um, back in 1992, uh, Ben only, Ben brought me here one time in my four years at Maranatha. And I, so I remember the tournament being there. Like it was kind of neat. One of my assistant coaches was the announcer of the tournament. He'd been announcing the tournament 20 years before Sandy stepped in and did it. And then that assistant coach to help me out a little bit more. So, You know, it's kind of neat actually going back and watching my matches at, you know, I I actually went and did that. I found some old videotape that Bennett had had of, and I watched my matches, and in the background I heard Scott Torpy's name, which is really kind of cool. And so I had a history with the tournament, and then coming into it, and all of a sudden you find out you're running and you got to run in. And this was a little bit of, you know, of insanity for me, just, you know, picking up a, fir- you know, being a first year head coach and trying to build a program, but now you're also lumped on your plate is running the longest running, uh, one of the longest running terms, the United States of America, other than the D one national tournament. And then of course the prestige behind it, where some people are like this is my favorite tournament other than the D three nationals. And some people say it's their favorite tournament period because we run it like a national tournament, right? It's a two day tournament. We have later weigh-ins, everybody gets a t-shirt, so you get a memento from the... We give all great awards. I mean, we try, to, we try to make it. You know, Southern Scuffle, Midlands, I mean, they've all been around and they're great, but the bottom line is this tournament's been running since 1938, and people love the Pete Wilson Tournament. I mean, it was an issue called the Wheaton Invite, but now the Pete Wilson Wheaton Invite, and... uh it's uh it's an amazing experience. It's a great tournament, and uh, you know year to year we look at making it a little bit better, bringing more schools or harder schools, and just kind of increasing it. But bottom line is, I and mean, you pl- there are people who um, there are national champs in D3 wrestling that haven't won the Pete Wilson tournament, uh, and you know that you have a pretty good idea that if you place at the Pete Wilson tournament if you win it you have a pretty good chance of being an all-american it's not 100 percent, but the odds are high that if you win this tournament you got a real good chance of being an all-american or if not a national champ
0: and andy tournaments like that obviously you help the rankings a little bit because some of the the geographic uh expansiveness of of the of the division's footprint but uh when you look at tournaments like this and and you're looking at where you're going to bring your teams to uh you know what what does what does a division's three coach think about when it's like all right what type of tournaments do we hit? Are we hitting opens? Are we hitting opens with D1 guys? Are we are we sticking with our conference? Obviously, the conference dual meets and things of that nature. But, you know, when, when you're – a school like Gettysburg, when, when you have an opportunity, it's like, all right, we're, we're going to maybe – we're going to consider the Pete Wilson or we're going to go we're gonna go East Stroudsburg. I mean, how do, how do these events factor into your, your schedule making?
2: You yeah, well, I think an event like the Pete Wilson Invitational is, <clears throat> is great for Division three because kind of what Jim said, you get some schools from – you know, all different regions in the country. So you can get a little bit of competition against guys that you would ordinarily not see. And that gives, uh you know, gives some competition. It makes it easier to see the national tournament later on uh, when some guys have had the chance to wrestle a little bit. Um, but just in general, I think, you know, some of the same uh, considerations come up with any tournament is how does it fit with where we are in the season? How does it fit with our budget? Um, you know, some things, you know, traveling to Chicago for some of the Eastern teams is pretty, can be expensive but worth it if you get the right uh, competition and the right experience there so I think it's uh, you know scheduling is kind of a combination of you know what's available in your area what fits into your budget and kind of where each where you are as a team to find the right level of competition and you know what time of year as well because sometimes you're going to want to have the best possible matchups and the best competition and other times you might want to back it off a little bit and you know give yourself a chance to get other guys uh, matches as well. So, you know, you get kind of the ebb and flow of the season in there because you're going to have good experience and you want to have your guys wrestle tough matches uh, during the year so that they're ready for the real tough matches that you need to win later in the year.
0: All right, Andy, let's give us a a quick rundown of what you're expecting from uh, the, the Bullets of Gettysburg this year. Who should we keep an eye on?
2: Well, we had a very young team last year. We had a lot of freshmen in the starting lineup, so those guys are going to be sophomores now. And then we have a few upperclassmen. Our one senior, Tyler Cunningham, uh, has been a three-year starter for us and has done very well, and we're hoping he can break through and get to the national tournament for the first time this year. Uh, Our wins leader was our 149 freshman from Massachusetts, Quinn Merrigan. Um, He should be back at the same weight this year, and... uh, you know, did a lot of good things, went on the uh, Division Three cultural exchange trip, got some matches in there, uh, wrestled a lot over the summer, and, you know, a little bit more development as he gets more experience should help him kind of get over the hump as well. Um, so those are kind of two of our top returning guys, and I'm excited about our incoming class. Um, you know, those guys are going to be challenging the team uh, to get into the starting lineup as well, and just the depth and everything else. So um, it's hard to make predictions right now because we are still a fairly young team, but I think the experience that we got last year, having our first kind of winning record in dual meets in quite a while, uh, was a lot of good um, success that we can build on for this year. And there's a very positive energy with this team. They're excited to get started and are excited throughout the first couple of days of practice. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can accomplish here um, as they get more experience throughout the year.
0: Jim, same question about your Wheaton Thunder squad. What can we look forward to this season?
2: Well,
1: um, you know, we're going to be we're going to, we're, we're down a little bit cuz you know, we graduated studs like Dan Olson and I had another all-American, but I still have one left on the team, Steven Aiello. Uh his brother Frank Aiello is uh is his twin brother actually is is someone to keep an eye on. And then um the Virginia uh, boys. Uh, yeah, my Virginia boys. Yeah. Uh which is awesome. I, although the thing that's not awesome is I just lost his their youngest brother to uh Virginia, which uh, it was kind of a bummer for me because he would have been real good. Uh, and then a uh, uh, Mikey Swider, he you know he took second in, Far- in Fargo uh, a few years ago, lost to Jaden Cox in the finals, who so obviously the D1 national champ, and you know placed above somebody like Kyle Schneider, who I think took third that year, who was a world champ. So I mean he's somebody that. Uh, you know, once he finishes up this whole football thing, he could have, you know, uh, three more really good years of wrestling. And I think could someone who could make a a, 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 a non-delusional Jim Grewald thing, uh, you know, run at a national title. And then I got a younger kid uh, that was a national qualifier uh, as a freshman, uh, a local kid, Carlos Fuentes. Um, he's not going to be wrestling this year. He, he tore his UCL, but... Uh, he's someone that I thought that could had a real good chance of being all American, maybe even running the for maybe running a national title this year, but the extra year of size and uh and just skill and getting healthy, I think he'll be a monster over the next three years. Um as far as incoming class you know, class uh this year is gonna take a few of them a few years to develop, but they could make some noise their junior and senior year.
0: So in the moment we got left, Andy, I just want to get your final thoughts on uh, Division Three as a whole, the D3 Ice Hour. What's some things that uh, you're looking forward to from this season?
2: Well, I think it's going to be an, an exciting year. I think there's a number of teams that are right now thinking like they can win the national championship. Um, so anytime you have at least a little bit of parity and some teams thinking they have a chance to win this thing, um, that makes things a little bit more exciting than uh, – some years in the past where it was a little bit of a foregone conclusion coming into the season. So I don't think that's quite the case this year. Um, So uh, looking forward to seeing some of the schools uh, that are going to be able to get up there and challenge. And I don't know if this is going to be the year, the first year in 20 years since uh, we get a new champion other than Wartburg and Augsburg, but I think there are some schools that are going to make a good run at it.
0: And Jim, same question.
1: You know what? Um, Again, once again, Andy's a stat guy. And you know, if I had the budget, honestly, he's such an awesome technical coach. I'm kind of the ooh rah rah guy, so I don't you know, I don't pay attention other than the fact that I'm you know a little bit pissed off that Warburg and Augsburg have had a hold on. I respect the fact that they've done it, but I tell my guys, baby step's to world domination, so you know, obviously I wanna be the team to do that, but I think there are teams like Messiah that are were real close. I think U W Whitewater's real close. Um, at least, you know, I'm not sure where the landscape's going to be this year, but I know they have been in the last couple of years where they were kind of nipping at the heels of those top schools, and I think, honestly, it, it's, it's kind of like, it's not a, 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 everybody against Warburg and Augsburg, but, you know, you get to that national tournament, and what does it turn into? It's everybody against Warburg and Augsburg, which is fine. You know, if they want to maintain their top spots, they got to beat everybody else to do it, but if it takes every single one of us to throw in a couple of guys that takes down their guys, then you know why not, and again, I respect Warburg, I respect Augsburg, but i uh, you know I'd also would like to see you know somebody step in and and donkey stomp them and uh uh, it's um, uh, Wheaton's still a few years from doing that, but eventually we'll take over D3 wrestling, and then we'll go after D2, and then we'll crush D1, and then we'll go over after Russia or Iran and crush them. And that, Jason, is baby steps to world domination. Are you feeling it? I was huh? wondering where Are you, you were going
0: me? with that. I was I was, I was, was sitting there, and as soon as you said it, started going, I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm actually wearing a Wartburg shirt right now, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, um, hmm, maybe not the, con. Not- this was not the day to wear the Wartburg shirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, that's all right. And again, Keller, you know, Jim Miller is a friend of mine. I don't know Keller as well, but I respect the guy. I think Warburg's done a great job. You want to know what? It's nice having powerhouses like that, right? Because when they do get through dethroned, it's huge news. It becomes national. You know, all of a sudden the spotlight goes on a place like you know, D3 wrestling, where, you know, sometimes, you know, wrestling, you know, by and large is a sport is the unwanted stepchild of American sports. But you you have that really cool human interest story where, you know, the king gets dethroned. You see a D1 athlete that drops down to it. People kind of want him. You know, there's some people that cheer for him. Other people are looking forward to him getting beat. So, you know, anything that kind of kind showcases D3 wrestling, and Andy's right. He said it spot on. Listen, D3 wrestling is tough. D3 wrestling is tough. Eric, are D1 guys, I don't care what kind of a D1 wrestler you are. You come to D3 any year. We have D3 guys every year going and make some noise at the Midlands tournament. So there's some studs at D3 wrestling. And anybody that thinks that it's not what it is, and again, you know, they think they gotta settle to wrestle D3, that's nonsense. That's silliness at best. D3 wrestling is tough. And, uh, I, I love being in it. I think D3 coaches, again, have to do a lot more with a lot less. And uh, and if you're a young man, and I don't care who's listening to this right now, but if you're a young man looking to wrestle in college, go D3.
2: the matt
0: talk podcast network for more wrestling podcasts head over to matttalkonline.com